let's stand together. Aiden comes this morning to read our scripture here on this Resurrection Sunday. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved, if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and at last of all he appeared to me also, as to one abnormally born. This is the word of the Lord from 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 8. May be seated. When we celebrated Easter two years ago, in that fateful year at the beginning of this decade, which shall not be named, you might remember that for several weeks the entire world had been shut down. And it was interesting during that time that seismologists reported a 30% reduction in what they call ambient human noise. Those are general vibrations that are caused in the earth through our activity. So as we move from place to place, when we drive our cars, when we use heavy machinery, when we go from one place to another, we create ambient noise, and sometimes it interferes with the instruments that seismologists use to measure sounds and vibrations in the earth. And so for a few weeks there, our ambient noise was reduced, and scientists say we literally had a much quieter earth for several weeks. They could hear and measure things on a, a different level than they'd been able to do before. But isn't it interesting that we had a quieter earth for a while? It didn't take us long to get really busy again. For all of our activity to, to build up, for that coming and going to be just as busy as it was before, if not busier. And the truth is, the busier and the more hurried we are, the more we tend to get distracted away from that which really matters. And as Christian, there is nothing that matters more than our shared confession that Jesus Christ is our Lord and our Savior. And this morning here on Easter, I want to remind us of what truly is the core of our faith. That which the Apostle Paul said here in 1 Corinthians 15 is a first importance for us as Christians and it is the gospel of Jesus Christ and just simply walking through this text focusing on the core of our faith here's the first thing I want us to take note of that the gospel of Jesus Christ is both the firm foundation of our faith and it's our salvation from sin and death wow talk about a theologically pregnant sentence to begin us with this morning there's so much here and yet each word is so important the gospel of jesus christ is both the firm foundation of our faith 
and it is our salvation from sin and death. When Paul talks about the firm foundation here, we can almost pick up a little bit of frustration in his tone. Brothers and sisters, I write this to you to remind you of what it is that you received, to remind you of what it is that you've believed upon and, and upon which you have taken your stand because so many of you seem to be distracted. You seem to be being pulled away to the right or to the left, and, and maybe some of those things are important, but they are not as important as our firm foundation. I remind you, brothers and sisters, of the gospel that I preached to you, that you received, that you believed in, and, and upon which you have taken your stand. You know that, that phrase, to, to take a stand, that it's something we say and we use often. And there are a lot of issues, there are a lot of ideas, there are a lot of passions and pursuits that any of us can say, I'm, I'm taking a stand on that, I'm taking a stand for that. But nothing, hear me, nothing is ever more important, more essential, more needed with all of the darkness around us than for us as Christians to stand firm on the gospel above anything and everything else nothing else after all will hold us up we can take a stand on other things but that foundation will never be as firm as the gospel of jesus christ because the gospel of jesus christ is the firm foundation of the rock that even when the winds and the waves and the storms of life beat upon our house if our house is built on the firm foundation of the rock, our house will stand no matter what comes. Paul says, remember, the gospel of Jesus Christ is your firm foundation, but it's also your salvation from sin and death. By this gospel, you are saved, so hold firmly to that word that's been preached to you so that you might not have believed in vain. You might not put your eyes and the eyes of your heart in places where there is not this level of hope and surety and confidence and peace. The gospel is the salvation of your souls from sin and death. And that's the reason why this word gospel is used, because literally the word gospel means good news. And this is the best news this is the good news that's been proclaimed to us just as paul had preached to the corinthians that christ has indeed saved us from sin and death it's good news for you it's good news for me it's good news for the nations to the very ends of the earth in every corner this is good news that there is freedom from sin and death for all of us and listen to me church south tulsa it's also good news for our neighbors. As they see us, as they hear what we say, as they watch the way that we live, it, is it evident that what is good news for us is also good news for them? I believe, and I'm sure you agree, the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ is needed now more than ever in our culture and in our nation. And the gospel of Jesus Christ is the only firm foundation upon which we can stand. And it is the salvation of our souls, saving us from sin and death. 
but also as we move a little bit further into this passage the gospel of jesus christ is the greatest hope for a sick and dying world and so we must get it right now why do i say we must get it right is this another way of saying we must check off all the boxes we must make sure we we know all the right words and we have them memorized and we can repeat them no 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 it's much deeper than that we must get this right starting in our heart in such a way that it transforms our entire being and we become a new creation a new creature in jesus christ and as that transformation works it out then absolutely it shapes the way we think and it changes the words we say but it starts right here the greatest hope for a sick and dying world is the gospel of jesus christ so we must get it right unfortunately each and every one of us though none of us really want to admit it we are all flawed human beings and if you begin to think that you're not as flawed as some others just give it a little bit of time and you'll be reminded that you too are flawed i had one of those reminders a few weeks ago at my son noah's school play he's a, a noah's a freshman at bixby high school and he was in a play and our whole family and and friends and others we went to watch the play and it just so happened that Noah's play was also on the day uh, of one of the NFL playoff football games. And so I had decided I, I'm not going to even check into the, to the football game during the play, but I'm going to at least watch it right up until the moment that the curtain goes down so I can, you know, be up to date. I don't know if you know about these phones that we carry, but having been a pastor preaching and teaching in a lot of settings for several years and going into public spaces all the time it is not uncommon for someone's phone to just start belting out something really loud okay it happens all the time in church and i'm one of those people that that doesn't really happen to me and so when it happens i can be a little bit judgmental i can even think to myself boy that person sure needs to learn how to use their phone and let me tell you one of the ways that happens in church the most many of you read the bible now on your phone you use the bible app and you've noticed that at the bottom there's a little play button and if you accidentally tap that play button your phone will start belting out the scripture passage at full blast volume for whatever reason i've decided and i'm going to send a note to the makers of that app that if you push that play button it should say are you sure before it starts <laughs> playing to at least give you a, an option because if that's ever happened to you once it starts playing it is like the most impossible thing to turn off and to stop it's happened a lot here in our church so i have those thoughts in mind i'm i turn off my phone before the play about three or four minutes into the play i don't know what happened i don't know how i bumped my phone but right in the middle of a quiet moment in the play my phone says tom brady's on the 10 yard line <laughs> And I am doing what you all do. I am like push off volume and I'm so embarrassed. I'm so ashamed. The best though was after the play was over, of course my family all got a big laugh. My, my 12-year-old Abigail was sitting in another place. When we got in the car and she heard us talking, she goes, wait, dad, that was you? And she just, wah, she laughed the entire way home at her poor unfortunate dad. So unfair my phone would malfunction like that we are all flawed even if we don't want to admit it 
Or as the Bible makes clear, we have all sinned and we've all fallen short of God's glory. And thus we are in desperate need of the forgiveness of sins and the salvation that God has provided in Jesus Christ. The gospel of Jesus Christ is the greatest hope for a sick and dying world, so we must get it right. His salvation is also the greatest hope for our sickness because without him, all of us would be sick and dying. We would be destined for destruction. But because of the good news of Jesus Christ, he's provided a way through himself that all of us can be made right with God. In a culture where so many words have lost their true meaning, I believe as Christians, we must be explicitly clear about what the gospel is, but also what it is not. Because there are, are some who will, will call something gospel when it's not actually at the heart of the gospel message of Jesus Christ. Here are a few things the gospel is not. The gospel is not a political platform on either side or on any side, nor is it a political stance. The gospel is not wokeness or anti-wokeness or whatever new buzzword comes out in our culture for the time being. The gospel is not a, a set of strict rules and principles to which, to which one must adhere perfectly. Nor is the gospel a collection of theological and doctrinal beliefs only where, where we have all the knowledge right but it hasn't changed our heart. Nor is the gospel only good works without having the understanding, the knowledge, and the wisdom. The gospel is not a catchy, trendy slogan or a church growth strategy. And the gospel is not a weapon to be used against our human enemies. Now, if you want to use the gospel as a weapon against our real enemy, the devil, and against sin and darkness, the, the gospel is the most effective weapon against that. But it's not a weapon to use to take down other people we disagree with. It's not a mic drop moment. The gospel is the core of what we believe. It is the most important thing. It is the only, it is the greatest hope for a sick and dying world, and so we must get it right. So what is the gospel? Well, when we use this term, the, the gospel, the good news, this is what we mean. And Paul breaks it down for us so clearly in these verses. The gospel is simply this message, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to many, 500 plus people who saw Christ risen from the dead. There are other things we proclaim. There are other important messages to share. But this, brothers and sisters, is at the heart of the gospel. It's all about who Christ is, what he has done, and what it means for us to live in and through him in this world. When Paul says that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, what, what scriptures does he mean? Well, certainly he must have meant Isaiah 53, which we read this morning. This is at the heart of who Christ is and what he's done for us. He was pierced for our transgressions, not his own. He was crushed for our iniquities, not his own. The punishment that brought us 
peace was laid on him and by his wounds we are healed the greatest message of hope for a sick and dying world and he was buried paul says the earth was quiet on that first easter morning the passover sabbath had ended all of the the clamor surrounding christ's crucifixion had settled and there his body laid in joseph's tomb as all of the universe was quiet but praise be to god he did not stay in the tomb he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures again from isaiah after he has suffered he will see the light of life and he rose again on the third day and appeared to many who confirmed who were eyewitnesses christ is risen indeed so i might ask you this question this morning in this way do you believe that what the bible says about jesus is true here at the heart of the gospel message is his death his burial his resurrection his appearance to others but hear me if we believe that this is of first importance that he died for our sins according to the scriptures then does that not also mean that he was without sin that he became for us the unique and final sacrifice needed for us to be made right with god and if he was buried it means that his physical body did in fact die but since he rose from the dead it also means the grave could not hold him and since the grave could not hold him it means that sin and death have been defeated and if he appeared to many after his death it means he has risen indeed and since he is risen indeed it means he is the lord of every heart he is the head of the church and he is the king of all creation this is the gospel it's of first importance when all is said and done no matter whether we felt like we were on the right or wrong side of all those other issues this one alone is all that matters do we stand firm upon the gospel of jesus christ i love what our friend bobby kelly said he said the resurrection of jesus was not merely a sermon topic for easter sunday in the early church it was the sermon topic for every sunday because they were the eyewitnesses those first believers the men and women who saw the empty tomb this was all they could talk about this was what they wanted everyone to know the lord has been crucified yes he was buried yes but the grave could not hold him and he is alive again the same message that was at the core of the early church is at the core of our faith today and it is built upon god's truth it is believed by faith and it is lived out through love and obedient action as such the gospel of jesus christ finally is good news for persons and for peoples it's good news for 
the individual heart and the individual person, but it is also good news in a much larger scale for communities, for peoples and nations and cultures and groups. It's a good news that transforms our lives, but also as it transforms us, when we go from place to place, it is supposed to transform those things around us. The gospel has implications for the person, but also for institutions, for systems, for all the brokenness that is around us as, as gospel-centered people, the same righteousness and justice and peace we've received from God in Jesus Christ is the same righteousness and justice and peace we are to proclaim with our lips, but also with our hands and our feet. That wherever we go, we don't just proclaim the good news as Christ commissioned us. But listen, we are good news because of what Christ has done in us and the new creation that each of us has become. I love the way the great missions leader Leslie Newbegin once said, The gospel offers us personal salvation to be sure, but it also does not relieve us of our responsibility for the life of the world. And for the sin, sorrow, and pain of our fellow human beings. What does it look like for us as Christians, as the church, to be good news the places we go? The resurrection of Christ, after all, was not just good news for one person, but it was good news for many. Look in these verses. It was, it was good news for the 12 disciples. It was good news for the other disciples, the men and women who followed Jesus, more than 500 of them. And it was good news for James and the others who were called apostles, those who built their lives upon the words that the women heard at the tomb. Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. And it didn't just transform one person. It transformed an entire group of peoples through whom the world heard the good news of Jesus Christ. It's good news for peoples, for the community, but it's also good news for the person. And I love the way Paul ends this in verse 8. He says, yes, Christ appeared to Cephas, to the other disciples, to 500 brothers and sisters, to James, but Paul says he also appeared to good old me. Little old me, I got to personally see that Christ was risen from the dead. And the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ is good news for me too. This morning, simple question for you, whether you're here in the room or watching online. Is the gospel of Jesus Christ good news for you? Have you experienced the freedom and the peace and the purpose for your life that only the gospel of Jesus Christ can give? For our church, I pray continually that those of us who say the good news of Jesus Christ is good news for us, we will be good news here in our community and around the world. And I know right now for many of us it feels like many people are hostile towards the Christian faith. And maybe that's true, but you know what else I believe is true? That people are hungry they are desperate for the very things that Christ has given us that only he can give. They are, are desperate to see 
genuine integrity. People around us are desperate to, to know that authentic love actually exists. And many of the things which Christ modeled for us, like kindness and gentleness, that are so absent in so many places around us, we have a world that is hungry and desperate to see it. And listen, if they don't see those things in us, where will they see it? Where will they find it? We who claim to follow Christ, we hold the answer to all the division, all the anger, all the hatred that is poisoning our culture. And if we have truly been transformed by God through Jesus Christ, the difference should be evident not only to people who come into this place, but it should be evident in and through us when we leave and we go out into those places or those paths of life that each and every one of us walk each and every day. As Christians, there is nothing that matters more than our confession that Jesus Christ is Savior and Lord. And for that reason, we must not only proclaim that Jesus lived, but we must proclaim that he lives today. He is risen from the dead. He is our Savior who died for our sins according to the scriptures and was buried, and he is our Lord who was raised on the third day according to the scriptures and appeared to many of our brothers and sisters in Christ soon after. The last couple of weeks, a group of us from the church were walking through different parts of Israel where many of the stories of scripture took place and we ended up in a place called Caesarea where Paul who wrote these words was actually put into prison and not long after that he was killed he gave his life because he believed this to be that valuable that important upon the gospel of Jesus Christ he took his stand and this morning brothers and sisters we are called to the same to remember that the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ is good news for all of us. As Paul wrote later in 1 Corinthians 15, we've, we've read it this morning and we've sang about it. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O oh, death, is your victory? Where, O oh, death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God in Jesus Christ, we have the victory. Is the gospel of Jesus Christ good news for you today? Have you experienced his forgiveness? Have you embraced his deep love for you? And have you committed your entire life to him? There is no higher purpose for which you have been created than to give all of yourself to the one who created you by believing in Jesus Christ and following him as Lord and Savior. There is nothing that matters more. Today, if you've not made that decision, if you've not made that commitment, the last thing we'll do together in worship today is offer a simple invitation to you that today would be the day that you step out, you confess your faith in Jesus Christ, you experience the forgiveness of your sins, and from this day forward, you say to him, you are my Lord, you are my King, and I will follow you for the rest of my days. Lord, I thank you today for the truth, the reality that the gospel is good news for us. 
Each and every one of us are flawed. Each and every one of us have been infected with the same sickness of sin. But thanks to you, God, in Jesus Christ there is freedom, there is forgiveness, and there is peace. And Lord, I pray simply today that if there's any person here who has not experienced that peace, that today would be the day they surrender and they lay down their life to you. And Lord, I also pray for my church here. Lord, that we would walk faithfully in the good news of the gospel. We would stand firm in our confession that Jesus is Lord, come what may. And that we would be faithful to be a demonstration of the great love, grace, and mercy we've received by being people who demonstrate love, grace, and mercy to our neighbors. Lord, be with us during this time. Draw us close to you. In Jesus' name.